It's been four years in the making. Welcome everybody to Jesse's Playlist, Volume 3. Get ready for the most defining playlist you will hear this year. So let's get your ears thumping, trumping, dumping with Urban Fragments from Ridge Racer Type 4. Fragments from Ridge Racer Type 4 for the PlayStation 1. A track composed by Kahoda Takahashi and vocals by Kamara Lovelace. As a kid, when I really got into video games, I always loved them. Nintendo, Sega Genesis, playing with Super Nintendo at my cousin's, N64 at my cousin's was really invested but when I really got invested in the games when they was like okay I'm saving up this money I have my own console now it was during the PlayStation and you best believe I looked through every magazine official PlayStation magazine PSM magazine electronic gaming monthly constantly to see what is the most upcoming best games for the console and I remember wanting to get into everything fighters adventure games RPGs, sports games, everything and anything that was highly rated, I wanted it. And I remember everyone boasting about Ridge Racer Type 4. And I was amazed by how fantastic it looked. You had Gran Turismo on the system. Don't get me wrong. People love Gran Turismo. But if you wanted that arcade feel, you wanted Ridge Racer Type 4. Because you had more of the sim with the Gran Turismo. But I remember just by word of mouth, by people's anticipation, the reviews, I convinced my father to take me to go pick up Ridge Racer Type 4 when it came out. And I remember also convincing him, hey, we got to get a steering wheel. 
We got to get this game. It's going to be amazing. And I remember popping in that game. And when that CG cinema comes on and you hear urban fragments, I was dumbfounded. Now, remember, everyone now is so used to like bombastic, you know, flashy cinemas and everything in games nowadays, orchestral music, all this stuff. But during like the PlayStation, Sega, Saturn, I mean, you dude, even during the Sega CD, like when you had CD quality audio and things like that, some visuals, you know, yeah, it was compressed video. It's not as sharp as 4K or anything like that right now. But when you saw that, it was amazing. It was like you didn't experience that. And not only that visually with that CG scene, but just the music, oh, man, and the vocals, I I was already in love when I played that game, when it started. I was like, I have the greatest racing game of all time. And going through it, it was like the hurdle. I mean, it's the start of anything when you start any type of new game that you're not used to, like racing games. I mean, I was used to racing games like Need for Speed or other things, but really getting into fine-tuning like cars and picking your sponsors and stuff and Ridge Racer never did anything like that but I mean that game the soundtrack alone is amazing as well like it just has such great music but like I had to pick Urban Fragments because that was what got me like whoa this is insane uh side note the um steering wheel did not work <laughs> did not work for Ridge Racer 4 so it sucked because I also had like Need for Speed Hot Pursuit Need for Speed 3 Hot Pursuit on the PlayStation 1, and it worked for that, and I was trying everything to figure out why my new steering wheel that I convinced my father to buy me uh, didn't work for Ridge Racer 4, which was the game I wanted to. There was some bullshit or something, but kind of lame, but still, amazing game. Next up, we have Bone Trousel from Undertale. Trousel from Undertale, composed by Toby Fox. I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing the name of that correctly, but if not, who cares? Uh, if you know what Undertale is or know of it, you know that the soundtrack by Toby Fox is stunning. So many great tracks. I mean, it's hard to pick one, but I would say this one, Bone Trousel, is just how it starts off and fucking just the beat comes in fast and hard. And it's it's a good it's a good uh, it's a good track. It just sounds really good, and and it shows the um, just the brilliance of what you can do, especially that game and that story, and and how amazing that soundtrack is. Uh, that one stands out throughout the whole that whole game, 
as one of my favorites. Again, very lots of amazing tracks in Undertale, but that one for me takes the cake. Next up, Marble Zone from Sonic the Hedgehog. you will about the blue blur you know sonic probably doesn't have the greatest track record when it comes to games and you have a lot of fans will love sonic no matter what we've talked constantly on the show about it but you cannot deny that early sonic games have some amazing tracks especially marble zone the things that the sega genesis's sound chip could produce sometimes is astounding Compared to how much better the Super Nintendo sound chip was, sometimes if you had the right composer, if you had the right person like Masato Nakamura, he knew how to make a track and especially for Sonic the Hedgehog. Yes, the rumors of Sonic the Hedgehog 3 having Michael Jackson composing some of the tracks, I still feel, even though those are pretty nice tracks, what... Nakamura was able to do with Marble Zone with how crisp it sounds, what they could utilize even with the lower sound chip hardware is amazing. And like with anything, a lot of this is nostalgia. A lot of this is what you remember. And I had a Sega Genesis. I had a Sega Sonic 6-pack cartridge with six games that had Sonic the Hedgehog in it. And of course, that one is something that brings you back. Everything brings you back. And that one is one that stands out. Marble Zone. You know, Green Hill Zone. Iconic, of course. But man, I just don't think Marble Zone gets enough credit with just how fucking good it is. That sound chip. That sound, the, the, this, what the Sega Genesis can produce, man. Like, it, the, oh, so good. So good. All right, let's get to it. Continuing on, we have Jogging Countdown from Mike Tyson's Punch-Out.
I did say this was from Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, but the version you just listened to was the Smash Brothers version, the orchestral version when Little Mac joined the Smash Brothers roster in the Wii U slash 3DS version. As you can tell, it was an orchestral version. It sounds so good, but originated, of course, from Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. What can I say about Mike Tyson's Punch-Out? One of my favorite games of all time. It's in my top five. It's one of my Desert Island games. But man, if I want something to pump me up, if I need something to get me going, the jogging countdown is just something that drives me. If I need that extra push, extra motivation, and especially the Smash Brothers version, the orchestral version, how can you not love that shit? This is something where I I love it. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. But I love it when classic 8-bit tunes get turned into an orchestral version. I don't know. I don't know how you can't like listen to this and just get pumped. You know what? To me, this is the as equal to Rocky IV's training montage song. I was trying to find who composed it originally. Uh, it was kind of hard for me to find anything. I know who was composing the um, Smash Brothers version, but it's of many people. So, unfortunately, I wasn't officially able to 100% get a clear answer. Next up, Popline Stage from Super Smash Brothers on the N64. <laughs> That's a Kirby track. That is from uh, Kirby's Adventure or Kirby's Dreamland. I forget which one it is, but that is originally a Kirby song. But the one I chose, yes, is another Smash Brothers track. They do great renditions of video game tracks. To me, Kirby's Popland is the defining song for me for Smash Brothers. I was there the moment Smash Brothers released, playing it with my cousins Turi, Rikis, and Janice and Amber. And when this song played, I don't know if this was the first stage we played, right? I'm pretty sure it was the Zelda stage on the N64 Smash Brothers was the first thing because I don't think it was the largest one, but I think it was the one that we I have memories of us always choosing. But when we chose the Popland stage, just the chaotic nature of that track is Smash Brothers to me. Masahiro Sakurai was the creator of Kirby and he was the one who brought Super Smash Brothers to life, who got, had the idea to bring this together. So I don't know, to me it just makes sense that that would be the defining song for Smash, for me. Just because 
It works as a fighting game song. It's chaotic and crazy just like Smash Brothers. Because at the time when that was new, when Super Smash Brothers was new for the N64, that was something you never saw from Nintendo, really. All your favorite characters, Link, Mario, Donkey Kong, Kirby, Pikachu, all fighting together in a four-on-four battle. Teams, all at once, going through an adventure, going through the arcade mode, fighting Master Hand. We're just so used to having Smash Brothers always on a Nintendo console now that a lot of people, I feel, unless you were there, you don't know how crazy that was, so how unique it was. I don't even think we thought Smash Brothers was gonna be what it is today, but it is. And I just think signifies Smash Brothers as a whole for me. Probably a lot of people differ, but I love it. I think that sums up Smash. Yes, it's a Kirby song, but that to me will be a Smash Brothers song forever. Next up, Promise Reprise from Silent Hill 2. first time with Silent Hill 2 was unique. I had been a long time Resident Evil fan. Loved it. Looked down upon Silent Hill when I would hear people say it was better. And I tried the original back, in, uh, back on the PlayStation 1. And I uh, didn't hate it, but uh, it just wasn't Resident Evil to me. As I got older, as I enjoyed more survival horror games Silent Hill would constantly come up especially Silent Hill 2 I was lucky enough to get around to getting a copy of Silent Hill 2 for the PlayStation 2 and Silent Hill 3 and during the time of the pandemic I finally got around to playing it the soundtrack by Akira Yamaoka he had such a haunting soundtrack when he did the first Silent Hill very industrial, very, very tough, like iron, um, and going with a with a different tone, a different feeling for Silent Hill 2. And I think for me, Promise, the reprise, is something that 
makes me long to return to Silent Hill. And my time with Silent Hill 2 was unique. It was during a time when things were very uneasy in the world. And, you know, I think uh, when it comes to anything from literature to movies to, to even games, could reflect how you're feeling or put you in a place where in the place you want to be is not as comfortable. And Silent Hill 2 was very uncomfortable through my whole playthrough. It's a track that with games that I've talked about here, you, you return and have the feelings you had with anything, any any form of entertainment, but especially games. I've talked about how you feel. You remember the time, you remember the memories. But Silent Hill soundtrack, especially Silent Hill 2, it is a world uh, that I wish to return in, even though it was very unsettling. And I had a very, it was very fun um, and creepy in many ways. And it was a great experience, you know, being a fan of Resident Evil, being a fan of, of, of survival horror games. I came to appreciate both series and they're both two different series that offer so much that to me, not one is better than the other. It really just depends on what kind of survival horror you're looking for. And I think they both excel at what they do. And Silent Hill, I'm happy to play the original three from the original team of Team Silent. And such a great experience that I wish to return to again. Next up, Magnet Man from Mega Man 3. <laughs> System, another fantastic 8-bit soundtrack from the NES days. And if you know me, you know my love for Mega Man 3. And I'm here to say, yes, I like it better than Mega Man 2. Fight me, motherfuckers. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's composed by Har Harumi Fujita. And what can I say, man? Mega Man 3 soundtrack is amazing. Every playlist i do will have a mega man track because mega man 3 is freaking great there's nothing more for me to say because that soundtrack is better than all the mega man soundtracks again fight me i don't care sounds so good and you can groove to it that's all i gotta say can you groove to mega man 2 you can mega man so look all mega man games all the mega man soundtracks are fucking awesome they're great yes they are but, I mean, really, of course, I'm biased. Of course, I'm biased. Mega Man 3 was the first one I really got into. I remember getting that from, like, a guy who was trying to hook up with my sister, and he gave me, like, a ton of games. And that was, like, Mega Man. Out of all the stacks of games he let me borrow, Mega Man 3 is the only one I remember. I, that and, like, 
there was a car, there was a Japanese Famicom cartridge with an adapter that was that, those are the only two games I can remember. But there was an adapter from it was a, a Japanese Famicom disc or cartridge that had like fifty or hundred games on it. Now as a kid, I was like, whoa! But it never worked, right? Uh, but back then, I was just like, what's this weird thing? I didn't know what uh, that the, uh, the Nintendo was called the Famicom in Japan. I didn't know that their cartridges were smaller. That's the only thing I could remember from the stack of games in Mega Man 3 was the top of the crop. The cream on the cake, on your coffee, whatever you want to call it. Mega Man 3, Magnet Man. What, you mad? Then fucking turn this off. I don't care. Next up, Bloody Tears from Castlevania. was bloody tears from castlevania oh man there's so many versions of this that you can find on anything and i'm pretty sure this is the nes version of bloody tears i could be wrong i'm sorry for me i like i love castlevania i will call myself a moderate castlevania fan i'm not a huge castlevania fan so for some of you castlevania fans right now who are freaking the fuck out and going you idiot this is from this one this title composed by this guy. There's been so many versions of Bloody Tears that I couldn't find the right one. And I think I got this off of, um, I think if you pre-ordered Castlevania Portrait of Ruin for the for the DS, you got a collector's edition soundtrack, which I had. And I can't find the soundtrack. It'll probably tell me on there what it, which one it was on. But I'm... I'm either one too lazy to find it or look for it, or B, uh, I don't know where the hell I put it, and they would I would have to go through a ton of stuff. Actually, no, it wouldn't be there. Um, but yeah, I mean, Castlevania, the series as a whole has so much good music, uh, even to the point where this is difficult for me to choose really, because Symphony of the Night has great, fantastic music on there. I mean, it was PS One era, so they had they had so much to work with on that one but i think you listen to the catalog and there's a lot of great ones i mean dude they kicked ass making ones for the fucking game boy if you listen to bethel's mega mix you you already heard one of the great ones praying hands and i think bloody tears is up there in the echelon of castlevania great tracks next up heaven's divide from metal gear solid peace walker new, old and shattered now, love 
That was Heaven's Divide from Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker. The music was written by Akiro Honda with words by Nobuko Toda and vocals performed by Donna Burke. What made you think I wasn't going to put a Metal Gear song on here? The Metal Gear franchise has had fantastic tracks here, there, everywhere. You know it's true. Having Heaven's Divide sung by Donna Burke feels like a late 70s early 80s track for a spy movie you know but this is a stealth spy movie uh metal gear solid peace walker was a game that came out for the psp later ported to almost every 
current gen console back in the day like xbox 360 playstation 3 playstation vita what i love about kojima's love of film is not only throughout the years more and more a lot of people would say that games have trounced films have done better than films entertainment wise story wise no matter how you feel about it i think a lot of games to be as close as possible to how a film is but i think the metal gear solid series i think what kojima has done especially everything he does in it um whether it becomes the writing story anything like that but having great people writing the music composing tracks make it feel the closest a game has ever gotten to being a movie just the setting the place just music can do that and that's what this track does for peace walker it places you in what that game is what that world is next up training theme from mike tyson's punch out songs in one playlist jesse come on what are you doing hey um the, the first one was a composed smash brothers version orchestral version i'm giving you the nes classic version of training theme everyone knows what that is hey this guy stole my bike he stole my bike hurry up run get a piece of paper and a pen so you can write down your code to continue because you're gonna take a break or you have to go to school or you have to go to your buddy's house or you have to go to dinner just something that you did for Mike Tyson's punch out. But uh yeah, not much to say. I know, cheating, putting two, but hey, it's my playlist. Deal with it. I gave you a great song to listen to. So who who's the winner here? You are, of course. Next up, let the music take control from Busta Groove 2. Who's not afraid to stop from his 
That was Let the Music Take Control from Bust a Groove 2. That was for the character Hito-kun from Bust a Groove 2. I was searching far and wide to see who composed the track for this. I can't find anything. I think for uh, Bust a Groove 1 and 2, a lot of it was actually tracks from actual artists. Like, maybe not well-known artists that we know today, but just people who made music. And I think a lot of it was either commissioned or people took actual tracks like, hey, we're going to we're going to put this in this game. Can we use it for this game is my guess because I can't find shit. I've always been <laughs> very, very happy uh, doing third party control podcasts. Bethel, Joe and I uh, were all fans of the Busted Groove series. They only ever made two. That was one in Japan that never came out over here. Bethel, I think Bethel and Joe are, are be- uh, bigger fans of the first one. Uh, I got two, and I just remember that was kind of my first jump into rhythm-based games in a way, like what a rhythm game was. I think the closest thing I kind of, I'm not sure, I'm pretty sure Papa, Parappa the Rappa was first before this one. I'm not 100%, but I think I dabbled in that, but like what a rhythm game was. Like this is, I got into it. I remember renting it from Blockbuster getting super into it i would play it i could only get into it standing up and then like kind of moving to the beat like it was easier for me to move to the beat and get the you know get through the game and stuff so um it is a title now that's harder a bit harder to find and very expensive in a perfect world we would have a buster groove for here until the end of time but we don't live in a perfect world as you know next up airship from super mario brothers 3 celebrated Mario's 35th anniversary and we did like a huge almost every mainline Mario game we reviewed we talked about it everything we liked and um, I mean always a topic was the soundtrack and the creator of, of the Mario soundtracks Koji Kondo Airship is you know probably one of many tracks in Super Mario Brothers 3 that I think memory wise the first time you get on the airship it's like okay you're gonna reach the boss for this stage for this level you're gonna get to it you have to travel through the airship you know there's it's just the sound of doom but adventure and the build-up getting toward that that last enemy boss one of the koopa kids and you know it's effective it works it has a sense of dread but also excitement because of the adventure ahead and the enemy you're going to face. And Koji Kondu, we've talked so much about how he composed everything from mainline Mario games and how his influence has influenced future composers. Next up, Cass's theme from The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. (laughs) 
That was Cass's theme from The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, composed by Yasuaki Uwata. The first time I heard Cass's theme, it's so it's such a random game. In a good way. Um, I don't think I think there's certain things, but not everything in that game can happen to chance. Like no one's gonna have the same experience in certain moments. And I still remember the first time I encountered Cass was his theme. I heard it off in the distance. I remember it was windy, it was rainy, and the wind's blowing, and I'm, I'm, you know, traveling through Hyrule, and then I hear in the distance, I'm like, what is that? What is that sound? And I've talked about this before on the show, and I, I followed the sound of the music until it got louder. If I walked away and it was getting lower, I know I was going the wrong direction. I followed the sound and I confronted this this giant bird playing this song. And it was so calming and it was so beautiful that that's like stuck in my mind forever. It was just beautiful. That's all I could really say. Next up, Libre Fatale from Final Fantasy VIII.
That was Libre Vitali from Final Fantasy VIII, composed by Nobu Umatsu. What can I say about Nobu Umatsu? He is the epitome of early Final Fantasy game compositions. This falls in line with my Ridge Racer 4 talk. This was during a time where everything transitioned from 8-bit, 16-bit to 32-bit CD-based audio based soundtracks and Nobuo Matsu did a fantastic job with Final Fantasy 7 but going into Final Fantasy 8 I believe was the first time he did a, uh, an authentic orchestral version of the soundtrack say what you will about Final Fantasy 8 as a whole I think the soundtrack of Final Fantasy 8 is fantastic and amazing like the opening that was everything that you wanted but I think this one is one of my favorites and I've had many Final Fantasy tracks in my playlists but this is also uh one of my favorites for uh one of my maybe not the greatest final fantasy game but uh, uh one that i enjoy next up beneath the mask from persona 5 <laughs> Persona 5 composed by Shoji Meguro. If you haven't played per any Persona game, especially Persona 5, I've said it once and I'll say it again, has probably one of the best soundtracks I've heard in a Persona. And I know some of you Persona 4 fans are freaking out, but I think Persona 5 as a whole, just the feeling of being in Tokyo, the feeling of walking around Tokyo, Especially being part of the Phantom Thieves, being yourself Joker, and going through your adventures. Just a lot of tracks and Persona raise the bar for that series. And Beneath the Mask is no different. Next up, One Step Ahead from Aladdin. <laughs>
That was One Step Ahead from Aladdin for the Super Nintendo. Looking at who composed the soundtrack to it, I couldn't find anything on the interwebs. I'm sure it was there. Um, This one was a good one because I've had history with Aladdin for the Super Nintendo. My cousins Amber and Janice had it when they were kids. And I would love to come over to their house to play Super Nintendo. And you know for damn sure that Aladdin was one of the games that we played. We would play, pass the controller around if someone lost, ask if we can take someone's turn. You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) And uh, uh, yeah, just one step ahead. Like, Not only did it fit the animated feature back in the day, uh, but like for the game, it just worked, right? You you knew the difference between there's a game version and there's the 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 score for the animated feature, but it just blended together really well. And especially for the game, when you're going through it, it's up there with a lot of the great side-scrolling platforming games. It just sounds good. Yes, it might be cheating because it's from a feature film, but they made it work. And a lot of it could have sounded shitty, you know. Like yes, the movie version will sound better always but you could still kind of just really love what they did being able to take what was from the film and digitize it from a 16-bit cartridge especially for the super nintendo which had a great uh, you know sound chip as we know and the sega version of aladdin is way different than the super nintendo version i prefer the super nintendo version but i think the sega version it has its ups you know but it has its downs a lot of memories with my cousins uh it'll always be not only a game i will cherish but that song will always send warm feelings to my heart next up round one part one go straight from streets of rage 2 
composed by Yuzo Koshiro. Yuzo Koshiro did some amazing tracks for the Sega Genesis. Like I said before, if there was a great composer who was able to take advantage of what the Sega Genesis can do, Yuzo Koshiro was the fucking maestro, man. He did some great tracks for Streets of Rage and many other games. And the newest Streets of Rage 4, he composed a few tracks for that too. But my god, look, I grew up with a Sega Genesis, right? I had the Sega 6-pack, which came with Streets of Rage. But I'll be 100% honest. I did not play Streets of Rage 2 until I got it for the fucking 3DS when it came out part of the, the 3D, you know, enhanced one where, you know, you can have it in 3D, right? And I refused to play Streets of Rage 2 for a long time. You know why? Because I'm, I'm an asshole. That's who I am. But um, I remember for years people saying like, man, Streets of Rage 2 is a thousand times better than Streets of Rage 1, right? And... <laughs> I would just be like, no, it's not, it's not good. Street Away 1 is better. Because that's the only one I had. You know, I don't I don't think I even really tried to rent it from Blockbuster. But I want to say, like, even, even my Blockbuster as a kid in my town, I don't think it had a lot of games. So I don't think Streets of Rage 2 was there. But then at the same time, I think as a kid, I might have had the mindset where it was like, well, it's the sequel, but it's just going to be more of the same. I want to try something new, right? That's probably what my mindset was, but... I don't know, but I will admit that, you know, uh, Streets of Rage 2 was on sale on the 3DS, and I was like, you know what, it's five bucks, I'll try it. I'm, pr I'm, pr I'm, you know, I'm not too proud to say that uh, I was wrong. Streets of Rage 2 <laughs> is far and above is a thousand percent better than Streets of Rage, but don't get me wrong, Streets of Rage is still awesome, you know, the first Streets of Rage has a, a, a special place in my heart, but... Yeah, Streets of Rage 2 completely <laughs> blows it out of the water. Not only gameplay, not only graphics. I mean, again, Streets of Rage 1 still looks amazing. Um, but damn, that soundtrack from Koshiro. That's why, man, if this Streets of Rage movie, he's got to do at least a couple of tracks. Come on, Sega. You know this. You have to. Don't be stupid. You got to do it. Next up, Hartman from Death Stranding.
That was Hartman from Hideo Kojima's Death Stranding, composed by Ludwig Forsell. Uh, if you haven't played uh, Death Stranding, I'm not giving too much away and not trying to get too into what the story is, but you have the character Hartman, which this track is his main theme, is based on him. Uh, basically, his backstory, without getting too involved, because it's a little confusing, he can stop his heart. Oh, God, it's still confusing to, com- to completely say what it is. But basically, in this world... People have their own beaches. <laughs> they have their own beaches. They can go to their beaches, I guess, in a way to basically pass on. Uh, and this happened with this big event. Anyway, long story short, his family had passed, but he didn't. He got stuck kind of in between where he could travel between both planes. It's kind of confusing to explain. But anyway, uh, he's called Hartman. He could stop his heart with a machine and he only has a few minutes to go and search for his family. He's trying to find them to to their beach or at least find them to stay with them, basically. To me, like, I hear the track. It's very sad. It's a very sad track. It's wonderfully composed by Ludwig Forsell and he's uh, worked on Kojima uh, ever since, I believe, Metal Gear Solid 2 uh, Sons of Liberty. And he's always been a a, a composer with him in a a lot of his games going forward. So I think this is one that he, uh, for me, probably out of the whole Death Stranding soundtrack, this is one of my favorite is Hartman's track. Next up, Marin's Ballad from The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. That was Marin's Ballad from The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening, composed by Kazumi Totaka. Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening is probably one of my favorite Zelda games. It's up there. Um, Again, if you haven't played it, I don't want to ruin it, but I love it because how different it is to a lot of Zelda games. And I think that's why, um, I mean, a lot of Zelda games I love... Link to the Past, Ocarina of Time. I don't think there's many um, Zelda games I don't like, but I think Link's, for me, Link's Awakening hits that spot where it's just different enough and unique enough to kind of put it on top for my favorite. And and then the soundtrack that, this is one that came out originally for the Game Boy, and then they did an advanced uh, Game Boy DX, uh, Game Boy Color DX version of Link's Awakening. Um... This is one that uh, also got a beautiful remaster for the Nintendo Switch. So I don't think you can go wrong for any of them. The one you listen to right now was the Game Boy Color version uh, that was made. But any version you, you can find of Marin's song is beautiful. There's different versions, but I like this one because it's what she was singing when you first find her. When she's singing this ballad around a lot of animals and um, it's just not... It's just a it's 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 a beautiful scene, and I liked what they did with it in the Switch remaster. 
Um, and what comes from that later on when her ballad gets composed to something that's much bigger and larger. But yeah, one of uh, uh, my favorite ones, and, and without ruining the story, I just love how, you know, it's, it's a well-told story. And especially, like I said, music will bring you back and bring you back to feelings. And I love how, how Link's Awakening makes me feel. So that's it. I mean, we come to the last track and I kind of am going to introduce it and also talk about it because this track I'm leaving to end the show. If this being my third volume, if you haven't figured out what series this is and what game it is, you haven't been paying attention to what I like. This is Dreamy Shards from Chrono Cross. I've said it once and I've said it again. If I had to choose my favorite video game soundtrack of all time, it is Chrono Cross. Yes, more than Mega Man, more than Metal Gear. I'm a huge Metal Gear fan. And you know, I'm I'm one to say that I understand that a lot of people are very mixed on Chrono Cross, the series itself. People love Chrono Trigger and I'm here to say yes, Chrono Trigger is the better game. That soundtrack for Chrono Cross, everything about it, just, it's beautiful. Everything Yatsunori Mitsuda was able to do with that soundtrack is is awe-inspiring. Awe, awe and I think a lot of uh, uh, composers nowadays who grew up with him uh, have come to appreciate a lot of the work he's done. Uh, but this one, Dreamy Shards, is different. It's more of a music box. And uh, Dreamy Shards is just, I think it's a, it's a nice ending song and out of everything i love in chrono cross it is probably the the most fitting end to volume three of this playlist thank you everyone for uh joining me on my playlist volume three i hope you enjoyed it i hope you liked what i chose and uh yeah all i could say is uh thank you and i leave you with Dreamy Shards, composed by Yasunori Mitsuda from the game Chrono Cross.